right. Welcome, everyone, to the Infinite Expansion podcast brought to you by The Last American Vagabond. I'm going to be your host, Tim, and got a pretty exciting show, I think, today. Uh, it's going to be a little lively, I think, especially uh, we got an Aussie on board. Um, we're going to be talking a little bit about Ethereum today, and I brought on a friend that I had met at Anarchopocal, um, who has done a lot of great work over at his uh, media outlet, the Paradise Paradox, his uh, name's Aaron, and I wanted to talk a little bit with him a little bit about Ethereum and kind of what it is and kind of explore the subject a little bit more. It's very new, but it also has a, a lot of great promise, but could potentially have some obstacles. So I wanted to explore that subject with him, especially because he's been very involved in the cryptocurrency movement. So I um, wanted to first uh, talk about kind of just give readers an idea of what Ethereum is um, and what what we can do with it, like what are the applications for it. So I wanted to pop that question over to Aaron just to kind of explain Ethereum a little bit and what what kind of applications are possible with it. Cool. Yeah, well, uh, thanks for having me. First, uh, I mean, Ethereum is kind of like, they, they call it like the evolution of, of blockchain. So, you know, you can think of, of Bitcoin as being the, the first example of decentralized uh, cryptocurrency ecosystem. There's very many, there's a lot of layers to think about it like that. But Ethereum is not only like a, a, a new evolution, it's a totally, it's a totally new thing. I think we can't really, um, I want to make sure that you're not thinking of Ethereum like, like Bitcoin because maybe as in the, the blockchain and the, the tokens and its nature of, decentralization, it, it appears to be somewhat somewhat similar because it's in the same group. But Ethereum, I mean, it's, I mean, to quote everybody, they call it the, the world computer. And um, up until I didn't really grasp what that, that actually meant because, you know, on the surface, it was the same thing as, as Bitcoin, right? You, you transfer and it's on the exchanges and everything like that. But uh, what makes Ethereum much different or what Ethereum is, it, it actually processes, like it is a decentralized computer that processes lines of code rather than just processes transactions. So if we think about um, a blockchain, like transactions A to B, and, and that, that is the, the ledger that's got all the, all, the, uh, all the transactions in place we have transactions, but he actually has lines of code. So you can, it's actually a, like a smart contract. Um, probably the best way to think about it is if you think of Bitcoin as having like the ledger, that is the blockchain, then uh, Ethereum is, its ledger is actually more like a hard drive where it can actually process code line by line and it can also jump back and refer to uh, other lines of code, like like a hard drive can. So I don't know. Maybe I got maybe I jumped in a little bit too technical to start off with, but it's uh, it's important that we get that that difference, um, you know, wrapped around our head a little bit. Yeah. No, I, I kind of look at it like you said, a supercomputer. That so, like like you said, Bitcoin is just more of a money peer to peer money system, whereas Ethereum can process contracts so we can take just like a normal contract and program it in and then the blockchain can honor these contracts without the need for 
third-party litigation or anything like that. So we can actually, you know, like, you know, we it, it can like for example, like a will. If I program a will into it, whenever that person dies and maybe it references a registry, well, then that will gets divvied out on the blockchain without the need to have third-party litigators to determine this and that on it. So it kind of, in a way, you know, you can run, I kind of think of it as like uh, self-regulating markets. So like markets that facilitate themselves using the, like, so like you smart, you you program the rules of the business into the blockchain and then it facilitates the business or the market itself and you know so you don't need a central management team maybe you have some developers who manage like in terms of keeping the system running but it doesn't it doesn't manage the information flow or the payments of it the blockchain does all that through the code that we put in which is open source and anyone can see it yeah so it can it can self-manage it can self-regulate markets and self uh I don't know if regulate, yeah, self-managed markets and, and businesses without the need for a central force. I kind of look at it like that. I don't know if con- smart, well, you say the word smart contracts, but I kind of see it as like uh, rules or structure that we that we program in that anyone can see uh, and, and, and check to verify that it's do- properly. And they kind of, fac- that way businesses facilitate themselves without the need for third parties or management teams or whatever. Yeah, we, we throw these term uh, smart contracts around because I mean that that's what that's what everyone that's what everyone says. But I mean, you renew uh, in this case the, the Ethereum machine, and there, there's no I mean there's no need for for disputes or for questioning. It's like it just does what it's supposed to do, um, and there's no way you can change that. I mean, it's uh, it's it's in the system, and I think that that's what. I, I look at it like this is almost. Um, I mean, if this is almost like a, a new way of, of communication, uh, you know, with, in in groups, in like a collective way of communicating and processing everything that that we do right now in in a, in a better way. I think some people some people talk about it as like the law of the internet. In some way, it's like I kind of agree with that. It's like a decentralized law structure because we're agreeing to a structure that we can all see. It's right there for us to see. And it creates these set of laws, which we all voluntarily agree to. Uh, so it's creating like a structure, um, like a decentralized law of the internet in some ways, especially if it gets more widely popular. What I think is really awesome about this, like a couple, like one idea that's been proposed is uh, kind of like a new, a new Uber. I think it's called Arcade, Arcade City. And yeah. basically it's a system where People offer rides, you know, offer the car to give rides as well as people wanting rides. And it facilitates this, uh, this uh, peer-to-peer ride sharing without the need for a central institution to manage it all. You just program how you want it to run in. So like, you know, how people like anyone who wants to give a ride, okay, it shows where they're at and where they're, you know, what they're doing, you know, where they're at and how much they're offering or whatever. And then you have people who want rides and it, the, the, the program does all this without. And then so you don't have this third party taking cuts along the way. Like I said, maybe you have a very, very small fee for someone uh, t- for a group to maintain it. But you have no central controllers uh, taking big cuts out of this and, and doing it. You have a, just a self-regulating market in a way. 
uh, and it, it could really, I mean, this, if it goes well and blows up more, it, it would, it would wipe Uber off the, it could wipe Uber off the market because it can just do it much cheaper. Yeah. That, that's the thing. If you're going to go for, if you need to take a ride um, and you can get it cheaper, well, then you're going to go with the, the cheaper. I mean, considering the service is going to be the same, but everything's, everything's already, the, uh, the, the parameters are already in the system. So, I mean, it's going to do, from a user point of view, what you're, what you're talking about, it's going to be exactly the same as Uber because that's what everybody's going to expect, except we're, not, we're going to cut off the, the management, which is pretty, the, you know, the heavy. I mean, I would expect to see minimum 30% cheaper. I mean, that's kind of what they're charging, right? So, cheaper services. I mean, it's, it's perfect. Right, yeah. I mean, it, it really, Ethereum has the ability to decentralize all types of business structures because now it's kind of like worker-owned companies that that the company runs on a, I consider it mathematical formula that's programmed. Like it runs on a yeah rules, mathematics, um, and whatever we agree to, and it it can decentralize any business structure really, um, and, and then it becomes worker-owned as opposed to top-down management-owned mostly, and that should be really exciting to anyone who wants to decentralize power, which I think anyone who's awake to what's going on would probably, I would hope, would be in favor of that. So in many ways, like it, it, it's really just getting started, in my opinion, on all the possibilities uh, with Ethereum. Um, I mean, you could have databases that house all this information and, and, and people, you know, and, and it manages the database without someone being the filter, you know, to filter the database. Like, oh, oh you know, we don't want this in there. Uh, yep. Oh, we don't want that in there. It, it, the databases can become unfiltered. And so then people can filter through them themselves and look at it as opposed to having some central, a trusted third party uh, filter all this information. But anyways, I want to move on to the next subject. Uh, so with Ethereum, now there's a lot of talk. How is Ethereum going to interplay with Bitcoin? Um, and they're both still very new in a way. I know Bitcoin's what, seven years old. It's, but it's still fairly new, considering it's not main. Most people have no idea still what it is. I mean, they might have heard the name, but most people don't know what it, it is. But would you consider them rivals? How do you think the interplay between Bitcoin and Ethereum is going to be moving forward? Well, from from my experience trading uh, Ethereum and trading Bitcoin, it, they you, you adopt this approach that you know they they kind of do similar things. So of course they're rivals, but. I don't, I don't think that's the way it should be because although, um, I mean, Bitcoin isn't its number one spot with, uh, with its own network effect and it is, I mean, it's, it's at the moment, I mean, seven years, it's kind of stood the test of time in crypto years because, I mean, that's, that's a long time and it has grown and developed. I can't even say it's developed itself much, but it has grown in, uh, in the community. Um, I know that the, the Bitcoin meetups that I go to, single time and going to grow in size. So um, it's, it's going to be number one, um, at least for a little bit longer. But where Ethereum comes into play, you really got to think about how do people get Ethereum and, and what are they going to do with, the, with their Ethereum uh, tokens once they have them. And really the only way you can do that is by, is by being introduced to Bitcoin, um, getting Bitcoin, and then familiarizing yourself with the fact that there's another almost 700 other coins at the moment and then uh, decide to 
some as well um, with Ether, then you, then you need to buy it through, through Bitcoin. So um, something I gained from the, from the last um, meetup in Mexico City is that the guys at uh, Ethereum and then, and then now with, uh, with Slocket and the DAO, they know that without Bitcoin and all the work that, that Bitcoin's done, then no one, well, there's no 150 million that they, that they got that they put together because, I mean, who's collecting fiat currency for this, uh, for this new investment or crowdfund? Right. Yeah. Sorry for anyone out there listening. We're having a little technical difficulties here and there, but uh, I think uh, hopefully it can piece together through the uh, the the slight uh, interruption sometimes. But uh, yeah, I I, t- I agree with you. I I don't necessarily look at them as I look at them as yes and no rivals. Uh, the question is like, which one's going to be the super liquid payment system? Maybe Ethereum. It could be Bitcoin if they they have to solve this scaling problem. Uh, that's been, you know, taking over the community for so long. You got too much yeah. back and forth fighting going on over the the scaling, and the scaling's in, it's very important. Um, um, so they have to figure out a way to scale, whether they want to go on chain, off chain. Um, so it, it'll be interesting to see which one is the more liquid payment system. I kind of see like maybe Bitcoin is like the the store of val- a, a greater store of value, as in kind of like the gold of cryptocurrency um it's a very it is a little bit more of a secure network um and while it does take longer to transact and stuff uh it has built the infrastructure i think a lot of people in the ethereum uh are also probably pretty invested in bitcoin as well a lot of the pro uh, you know a lot of people that are overlapping in terms of involvement so i don't think they want to just see bitcoin just go by the wayside it could be like i think yeah. it could be like a store of value and then you, the Ethereum, the thing is like the Ethereum is like you only use Ether to run the decentralized platform. And so in that regard, I don't know if you want, if you could buy like a Starbucks coffee with Ether necessarily because it's, the Ether is more used to use the network to run these like decentralized businesses and different things like that. So Bitcoin might be able to be used more effectively in kind of the mainstream applications you know the yep. restaurants or whatnot whereas ether ether is almost like the the fuel if you want to use this new network that can do things far more efficiently than a lot of other than any other network kind of so i i, I kind of see like at least for you know the next five six seven years i don't see them as any type of rivals i actually see them they need each other yeah. in a way um, to they need to build, they need to somehow build a synergistic kind of companionship, because yep. really they all want the same thing in both of the um, Ethereum and Bitcoin. This decentralized, decentralizing power, uh, peer-to-peer networking. So I hope that they can kind of work together. I, I kind of see them still as two different things, like you're using Ether for like kind of this new access, to this Web 3.0, a new new type of system. Whereas the Bitcoin can be more like a store of value and used in the outside world, you know, I guess the ma- mainstream world more. Yeah, I mean, they're completely different uh, systems. They're completely different tokens. Um, I mean, this is this is something that we need to stress. You can't get them both mixed up. And I think as long as Bitcoin 
gets their act together and, and resolves this, this issue, or, I mean, maybe they don't need to resolve. Maybe they just decide we're going to stick with Bitcoin the way it is. I think ETH is going to eventually facilitate um, Bitcoin payments, whether they, the Ether does the contract part and then um, but the payment, actual payment token be, will be Bitcoin or will be something else or whatever else it's going to be. But I think for the, the crypto space, Ethereum and what they're doing right now is the most important step in setting up actual infrastructure because, I mean, I've been hanging out with, uh, with crypto heads for, for years and ever since I found out about it, like, you know, just when, when Bitcoin took its first big jump um, back end of 2013 and you know, hit the thousand, um, that was insane. And of course, it took over my, my whole life. <laughs> At that point, it was like we're talking about um, smart interactions and we're going to pay everything with this and payment systems and I'm looking for jobs and how am I going to set up? Like, this is, this is the future. Like, you know, I need to get into this. I, I put my, my university studies on hold for a little bit. Like, it, it took over my life. But now, what we've been talking about then, now, with Ethereum. And that's, that's a big change up. So um, I hope Bitcoin works itself out because, you know, Bitcoin's kind of like what got everyone involved in the first place. But, uh, but Ethereum's going to, you know, now build the, these internet superhighways that we've been waiting for. Yeah, I think that's a good um, analogy in a way. I still think Bitcoin is going to be like, um, they're already making, I think it's called, um, I wrote it down in my notes here. Uh, where is it at? BTC Relay. And it's a way of, it's like a side chain that s- links in Ethereum with the Bitcoin network. And so you can use smart contracts on Ethereum and two-way, kind of two-way peg the side chain in to the Bitcoin network. And so, yeah, the, there is now Bitcoin's developing its own kind of smart contract system called Rootstock. Yeah. We'll see if that's like they're trying to rival and take over that. Um, so that'll be interesting to see what happens between those two. But I would hope that yeah, they can I, build it. Go ahead. Yeah, I think it's really cool that that um, that Bitcoin might you know eventually do what, what ETH is going to be doing now. Um, but I don't know. We personally... I think um, I'd rather ask you the question. Do you think um, there's there's point in in setting up so many side chains or these side chains projects when when we're looking at ether like ether from the from like its nuts and bolts, it's going to be able to to process. It's it's a it's a it's a virtual machine. It's a computer compared to trying to set up a side chain that can process on the side of something else. I think though that Bitcoin will need. Sometimes it will need side chains. Uh, I'm I'm in favor of on scale, um, you know, bigger block size or something to. It needs to process transactions faster, but I think eventually it will need a side yeah. chain to facilitate uh, more payments quicker. Especially if more people, especially like micro payments and small payments, um, so the, that way people can use it in small amounts, as it doesn't. So it doesn't clog the block the bigger blockchain um, i think it will need to do this regardless of the ether ethereum plays or not um, i kind of see yeah i kind of see bitcoin more the financial side of i kind of see yeah, bitcoin more of financial stores of value and more um more in the finance side maybe even like yep. investing and stuff and then ethereum more as the network that every that a lot of that 
that businesses operate together on. It's like a global network that they all interact with each other on using Ether, but Bitcoin is going to play a role in kind of an asset uh, that people will use to invest and to hold money in and to, they'll be transacting still. It'll be like almost like, um, I know know we don't like banks and maybe not the best now, but banks trading Bitcoin back and forth or the big players trading Bitcoin back and forth and then all the more liquid Ethereum is using and more of the, or maybe it's like the the businesses using, using Ethereum to operate more and then you have Bitcoin kind of as this outside payment system in a way. Um, I don't know. I think I don't think that I think they're both going to be players, along along with other things. But uh, yeah, I, I, don't, I hope we don't get into this like competitive like unless like oh we're trying to take over Ethereum or we're trying to take over Bitcoin. I hope they work synergistically together because really yeah. we're all after we're all after the same thing. You know, we're all in the same camp. We can't let these little differences divide us away because we only were going to win united yeah you're right i mean we're all we're all fighting for what freedom open communication sound money and uh and to read corruption um i didn't yeah i mean to come back to the original question i don't see bitcoin as a rival to ethereum maybe rootstock is more of a rival to ethereum but i think that the world's big enough for for all the players and um jumping back to Bitcoin being the gold of, of crypto. I mean, I, I like that idea from the start. It just kind of sounds cool and heavy. And I think if Bitcoin doesn't get their act together, then it's going, it will be, it will be the gold of, uh, of crypto in the, in the respect, the same way that we use gold now. It's like some people hold it as a store of value as an asset class. It's like but, a hedge. Um, yeah, but we don't, we don't, you know, we don't go buy groceries with gold. So why would you want to buy groceries with uh, with Bitcoin? We could, I mean, we probably can now, um, but I think um, when if the if the ecosystems all join together and we get bigger, there's probably better ways of better ways of doing it. But I mean, I, I'm st- I'm one of those guys that hope Bitcoin really does overshoot um, and become become so valuable um, that you know it's not something that we're going to be doing all these micro payments, which means you probably won't need to make sure that it has this ability to, to process, you know, a huge amount of transactions. But then on the other hand, um, if it does, if it doesn't get itself together and it fails and the price doesn't rise, um, I think people are still going to collect them, <laughs> you know, for only, there's only 21 million of them. And um, I say there's a pretty big majority that's been lost. So, you know, who, who it's going to be special to have a complete Bitcoin, like a whole Bitcoin, at the end of the day, irrespective of how much they're worth, just knowing that you were there on the first, you, you were there day one, you know what I mean? Like this is a, this is a complete change of era. Um, and, and I've got my Bitcoin, so. That's I think an interesting, cool uh, interesting theory. Uh, I've never heard someone uh, say it like that. It's almost like a, a, uh, a relic or a, a keepsake in a way. Um, so. Well, it, it, it might be like, like some of those baseball cards we used to trade in primary school. It's like, you know, it didn't, what value did it really have? It depends at the time. Right. Definitely. What do you, um, now, you know, cause this is all part of this kind of awakening movement of it's so many movements combined, you no know, truth movement. You could call it, um, freedom movement, decentralization movement. And they're all like getting at the same things of the world changing and, and giving power back to the people and getting truth and objective truth out there. Why do, because 
a lot of people in the truth movement don't know a lot about cryptocurrencies. They don't participate a lot in um, the forums and they don't understand a lot of it. But why, why do you think more people should care about this? Because I think this is a, such a big thing for people to, in the truth movement to start to understand. They think it's over technical, but really you put your mind to it. You can understand it. Why do you think more people need to be paying attention to this field of crypto and, and um, this, this whole new networks, you know, Ethereum and other stuff? Yeah, I think the, the, the crux of this is that people don't understand money in the first place. If they did, then it's, it's a no-brainer. You jump something else. Um, personally, when, when I realized how the banking system uh, interacts with governments and how they interact with, you know, huge corporation um, and this partnership between, between the three levels of, you know, private organization, government and banking and how that is not benefiting the human race at all, um, it was like, that's it. I'm out. I'm, uh, and, and it's like, I need, and then that's what started the, the whole, you know, Bitcoin crypto um, understanding, even though I had very a light understanding of uh, information technology, um, other than just an interest, it was like, this is, this is a, a solution to take the power away from those that realistically don't know what they're doing because, you know, why would you, I mean, you have to be pretty, sick individuals to want to cage human beings, you know what I mean? And then you only have and you know that people in the world could just fix that. Um, but they but they can't and they won't because of the the world we live in, like the, the structures of society. It's just not it's not um, it's not viable. Um, comparing maybe like first world countries to to like the emerging economies or or yeah, emerging economies, it's like, you know, you see a lot of people that are, I mean, I've been in Mexico, so I, I see this every day. You see a lot of people that are, are trying to work. Um, they're out in the street literally selling things that, that are worth, you know, 10 cents, and they, they need to do this X amount of time so they can eat and feed their family. Um, that system doesn't work for them because the money's not, it's not there. Like the, the economics is there, the understanding's there, but they don't, they haven't come to Bitcoin yet because, um, you know what I mean? Like be caught up in, in, in truth movements, but we already know the truth. Like once you know it, you know it. Um, it's just a matter of how are we going to deliver um, these systems to people that really need them. And um, I, I think it's, it's known in the communities that um, we've got, like for example, uh, the regulation that's now crushing uh, Bitcoin uh, exchanges and Bitcoin-based companies like, uh, like what happened in Australia, I think there was, um, I don't know, like 16 Bitcoin ex exchanges. The majority of them had their banking accounts frozen. So it's like, how can they even, how can they even operate? And of course, you know, these are pretty, you know, young guys like us that are, that are putting together these ideas and we, we want to change the world. But then an old traditional system just puts the hammer on you. And, like, and that's, that's game over. Um, being here in Mexico, I can see that's not the same case. And uh, actually, there's, there's very little regulation here in Mexico. And I think most of the exchanges are actually doing quite well. The, um, the, the trick is now is how do, we, how do we deliver that to the people? Yeah, and uh, I, I think that, that's, a, that, that's kind of the phase we're in now. I think, I think uh, you're right on that. Um, you know, like you said, like you said economics, economics, there are a lot of places. But the, but the, value, the, value, the money doesn't, doesn't represent the value, value 
of what, of what they're doing in the economy. economies. And I, and I, I totally agree that, that you know, no, no one knows miles and miles and miles and miles at all. And I, I, I personally believe, and I think this is true, that, that the reason money, money is not, it's not money, money tool, tool, it's that it's money, money doesn't represent value, value that it should. That it should. And that the value, value is so distorted in economies, economies and what money, what money you, know, you know, how value, how value is, is what you put in. And, and, and uh, I think, I think Bitcoin, Bitcoin is these are these are now tools to change the money system. Like, like you want to change the change, you have to change the money system. And the way and value value is represented, need sound sound money. And and this is finally amazing amazing global tool. tool. I think it needs many many need many other systems to hedge them all together, make them a sound just system. So that one is dominating. But but you know if you if you if you if you want to change the world you want you have to change the money system so people who who just want to focus I mean everyone has their own niche I understand people got people got to you know change change they can but I think you still have to be paying attention and getting involved in these new money systems and Bitcoin isn't the only system you know there's 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 you can create your own local currency you can create new blockchain currencies maybe that operate in your city or there's lots of possibilities but if, if you don't understand this new system um, you're, we're not this is finally something that we can really change the world with and I think if we if we don't get enough people who want the centralization involved in these new cryptocurrencies we could risk them maybe being kind of cornered or hijacked down the line. Not to say that it's completely taken over, but the, maybe we see players come in that don't utilize them in the best way we can. And so I think in that way, we need people to keep getting involved uh, in cryptos as a way to kind of hedge the other system. But if you just continue participating in these you know, fiat systems, then, well, you're just participating in a system that's not to your benefit. Yeah, you're eventually just prolonging assistance used by day. And it, it, it is difficult to bring new people in because, I mean, there is a little bit of a learning curve that you need to, you need to understand. And, and not because it's difficult because, you know, it's, it's a new way of... But, uh, I mean, recently I've got, I've got a couple of friends that, that are doing some international travel. And, and they're, they're looking at, you know, what, what travel card should I get? Uh, they've got, like, international travel cards and it's like this is okay we need to have a coffee you need to sit down with me and i'm going to show you how to get a, a bitcoin visa card because i mean what's going to happen when you're traveling through uh through europe and the next bank collapses and then all of a sudden uh the atms don't have any money and there's no staff to reload them and all you've got i mean you've got your card with bitcoin but at least you know you have your coin you know what i mean you're not loaded with with a currency that's going to be and all of a sudden your purchasing powers destroyed and, and the money that you thought you're going to have this uh you know this month-long trip around europe all of a sudden you know you're looking to get a ticket home asap that that's a, that's a real application that i think you know we can pretty convince our friends to dive into yeah definitely and i guess that branches right into the next topic i wanted to talk about is like what do you think the obstacles uh that ethereum's going to face going forward um um, and I guess you just alluded to the to right there. One of them is that uh, you know, I guess. Well, I guess that, that was in another topic. But what do you think? Some of the obstacles. Uh, I lost my train of thought there. But uh, 
what do you think some of the obstacles you see Ethereum facing moving forward? Oh, besides, I was getting to the steep learning curve. That was what I was yeah. referring to. That's one of the big obstacles. People, it's hard for people to understand uh, this stuff because it requires a little bit of thinking. And a lot of people, you know, in my opinion, they don't, it's too much thinking for them. They want to just <laughs> be told uh, exactly what it is without having to do some critical thinking. Uh, you know, they don't want to think about monetary systems too much. You know, it's new. They're scared. You know, they don't want to put their money in something they don't really fully understand. So what would you say some of the more other obstacles you see uh, Ethereum and other cryptos facing? Well, yeah, I think, uh, I think education, education and, and getting over that, that, that first click, that first transaction, um, you know, from sending. And it might only be a few dollars, but I mean, you don't know. You don't know how Bitcoin works, and you're gonna you're gonna press send, and it's like you know, do this right. Is my is my addressing correctly? This you know, hundred character long. Um, it's like that, that's my that's my transaction address. Did, did I not correct the last character? Like, did you go through all this? Um, but I mean, this is like you said, man. This is early stages. Of it's still a little bit. Um, I mentioned regulation. I think it's uh, it's sad for countries that are trying to regulate. Um, I mean, we should probably tell the, the listeners that we spoke for nearly an hour, so, um, you know, there's probably a few things that we, that we threw out there beforehand. Um, but, yeah, like France, they want to ban Bitcoin. Uh, go to Russia and use Bitcoin, they're going to throw you in jail. Uh, China was banning Bitcoin for a while, and then all of a sudden they, they said they're going to bring out their own cryptocurrency, and then, uh, you know, if you follow in financial news, they're, they're hoarding all this gold and silver, and they... They're, they're talking about. Uh, I'm not sure if they did or they have um, pegged their the uh, the Chinese yuan uh, to to gold, and it's like, yeah, we're looking at governments that are realizing that the money system might not be around, you know, long term, and they need to look at how they're going to capitalize on Bitcoin. So I think this is a big a big challenge for all cryptos because where where you have governments that you know all they they want to stay in power. So they need to look at how they're going to do that. And if their financial system that's been helping them for so many years all of a sudden is, is trembling and they don't know what's going to happen. And if there is some advisor, because the politicians, they don't, they don't know what's going on. But if there's an advisor that's smart enough to, uh, to tune into these alternative media to get ticked off to see what's actually happening and start doing a little bit of research, you don't have to do a lot to realize that the, the current isn't, um, isn't so robust that, that you'd think. Well, I think I lost you there for a second, but uh, yeah, I, I totally agree that government is probably going to be one of the biggest obstacles because how, how is this old system that wants to stay in power that only is interested in keeping itself around as any business or any government, uh, how are they going to interact with a system that's really can make them obsolete. I think banks are even more scared than governments. Uh, banks really risk becoming obsolete. We could have new forms of banks, kind of like banks that are decentralized with lots of people who put their money in, who invest, kind of like what the Dow is. You know, it's a, a venture capital fund where people actually have to put up real assets to invest in, as opposed to banks who can just create credit out of nothing. And, and, then, and then collect your assets that you worked hard for. That's just a complete Ponzi scheme. Um, it's such a scam. So I think, um, yeah, governments is 
going to be one of the biggest one in central banks. But I also see, you know, one of the problems too is going to be scaling and uh, in-group fighting. Um, and I know, and this is something that Bitcoin knows all about, uh, because once it starts to get bigger and you get more people, you're, you're subject to infiltration. You're subject to um, people utilizing it in the wrong way, sabotaging each other. You know, we know the government puts out tons of instigators. And so we have to really make sure that we can all get along in this ecosystem as opposed to competing against each other in a way too much. I'm not saying competing is, you know, competing builds innovation, but if it's, if we're doing it and then we start sabotaging each other and fighting so much that we're, that we're sacrificing something that we're building towards, um, we again can run into a lot of trouble. Bitcoin knows all about that, as I've said. Um, so, you know, leaderless movements while they're, it's great. You know, I'm look, I'm all for it. There's just ch challenges with building consensus and building communities, communal structures and ecosystems require communal actions in a way. And so we need to all voluntarily get come together as opposed to, you know, fighting with amongst each other too much. You know, I know it's, it doesn't seem like that's happening in Ethereum yet, but that as it scales, it's definitely open to that. And I think last point I wanted to make on that too is we have to make sure that people, you know, say, because I know some of the big boys are in finance are getting involved in Ethereum or slowly. We have to make sure that, okay, say they build these private yeah. blockchains that operate in Ethereum and then all the, the, the people, the sheeple, just all go right into their system. You know, this could be a, a way for a cashless society to come about. They build private blockchains. Everyone keeps their money. Like they do it behind the scenes. And they turn everything digital for their customers, and they're operating on a blockchain for more efficient, but it's a private blockchain. And then all the, everyone just continues using the same credit cards and same things. Um, and they, they never, you have, people are going to actually have to go into new systems. They're going to have to take their money out of old systems into new. And when people aren't awake enough to do that at the moment, um, you know, that could be a way they could utilize the system to their own advantage. I think there's a lot of people that, that are going to do it. And I think maybe we definitely haven't hit the tipping point, and I have no idea how far that is way. That's big plays in bank and blockchain. And look at this, like, it's, there's something weird happening because anybody in any of the big players could just, I mean, eight true market cap you know, roughly, of Bitcoin, um, it lead that much more to like the, the bigger traditional systems that, that are in place. It's like, why can't, you know, why can't they just go and, and buy the whole Bitcoin out? But then, but then you look at the, the, uh, the fundamentals of Bitcoin. Everyone that's got Bitcoin, are not, they're not all going to sell at the same time. It's not like someone can just buy out Bitcoin like it's a, like it's a company or something. There's no... There's no leader of Bitcoin saying, okay, yeah, we had our fun. Now it's time to let someone else drive and just give it all away. That's true. You could buy um, the mining. You could, all, you, could, you could centralize all the mining and buy all the mining facilities. Potentially, that's just a possibility. Yeah, yeah even, even that would be, uh, would be a challenge. I think if someone decided one day, from one day to the next, that's it, I need, it, I need to give them Bitcoin, which I think most of us did, you know, you With that, that have. I mean, this is. I think this is why the banks. If some of them are doing something sneaky like that, 
um, and, and growing and, you know, relabel the mining pool and it's, um, it, it's really hard to say because then on the other hand, you've got media, like media is not helping any, any side of Bitcoin. Uh, every time that a, that a change is hacked, then all of a sudden Bitcoin's dead again. Like I don't know how many times Bitcoin died in the last <laughs> four years, um, but the media is always finished. And so I, you know, just um, in the attacks, it's, uh, you know, and then you've got like all the, all the banks that, that are in, but they're not in, but they're interested, but they're not doing anything. And then they come out with their own, their own type. I think the, the true uh, Bitcoin is that Bitcoin belongs sold in Bitcoin, which is unfortunate when someone's hacked and the Bitcoins are gone. But if you've got Bitcoin, it's your money. It's not, it's not something that you're depending on uh, decisions or fiscal policy, monetary policy. Like, you know, you're not depending on how much it's going to be worth in the future based on, on what, you know, what the guys in government feel like doing that day. The banks are going to risk either. It's like Bitcoin is it's open, free market thing. And, you know, at the moment we're using it as a financial tool, which I think has been helpful for a lot of people. But what comes of that? It's like, I don't think anybody really knows. Timing's good, though. I mean, every other system's kind of... ...legs, which I think is going to possibly buy time for Bitcoin. Because as soon as as people realise that their money... It's just a matter of... It's an education thing. When people realise that their money's not what they thought it was then they're going to look at something else. And hopefully Bitcoin's still around to what? And I know that the banks are going to have something that's going to be, look, it's going to look like it. And it's going to pretty bamboozle a lot of people. They're probably just going to, I mean, like, like you said, just keep doing what they're doing or they're just going to keep following the, the bank because at the end of the day, what is it? It's just a big logo that has some kind of trust because that's what dad did and that's what his dad did. Yeah, so that's it's scary. That's a good point right there. Um, yeah, people are just gonna do what they what they always done, and and they're gonna be like, they're gonna offer some. Oh, we'll give you this extra little fee off. You know, it's like a little treat. You know, if you come with us and stay with us. You know, and and but people's expectations are just like they don't understand. Oh, this little. Do you want this little treat, or you want to really change the system? And hopefully, people will, you know, build go into these new. Systems, but I just have one last uh, question to wrap it up here. Now we're having a little. Sure. Te- unfortunately, I've been having a little technical difficulties with your, with your um, connection over there. But I, I've been having this for months. It's terrible. Yeah. Uh, anyways, what do you think? I just want to do like a you know a little speculation on the future here. How do you think systems are going to look in ten years? Like, how do you think it's going to go moving forward? What do you see happening? I know you already alluded to it a little bit, the old system dying and this new system coming to take its place. What do you see happening um, moving forward here in the next maybe 10 years between you know Ethereum, Bitcoin, just, just the, the financial system in general? Okay. Uh, we, we didn't mention it um, in this about the, the decentralized autonomous organizations, but I think this that, that's a big key into what's going to happen in the future because uh, what, what government's in place to do 
is something that um, we can see that they're not they're not trusted to do anymore. So maybe in the, in the future, if there's if there's a way where people can actually vote and know their votes can count towards something, or if there's if there's a way that we can actually decide as a collective group rather than, than waiting for a round table in some building that no one's ever heard of before to decide on what the decisions need to be they need to be for the for the the place or the the country or state or whatever then i think that's going to be the the changing factor when when people can really implement some kind of democratic environment um but a, a lot needs to happen between now and then I think 10 years is kind of, uh, it's kind of like a long shot. I think a lot could happen in, in one year or two years. Um, just looking at what happened in, in Iceland when, uh, when they overthrew the, the banking system and actually started prosecuting bankers for what they've, what they've done, um, which I know there's a lot of media blackout on that. Um, I, I don't think anybody really knows what happened exactly in, in, uh, in Iceland. Um, so... I think we're going to see more uh, decentralized organizations and I think we're going to see smaller governments because we're, we're not going to put up with it anymore if the collective can get their voice together. Yeah, I, I hope so. Um, I, you know, obviously worry sometimes because there's still so many people that are, are asleep, but you know, there's a lot of people waking up and I think if we, I look at it like this, if we, as this smaller community can build these infrastructures that literally make the other ones obsolete, we could get enough people awoken to this new system and get them to buy in. We're going to grow. We could grow large enough where they can't really shut us down at that point. But if we don't get more people involved, then we're prone to be kind of attacked by the government. Um, as like, you know, Oh, look at these guys, these threats, these anarchists, uh, they want to, you know, overthrow the system but if we can get we wake up more enough people up get more people involved we'll become too large for them to really take over i and we can almost make the other side obsolete but i, I think as far as this new financial paradigm um the the, par, the financial system's changing the old system is is this it, it just inflated the bubble so big it's going to pop and the question is are we going to buy into the, their solution or are we going to create this new solution? I'm hope I'm, I'm praying that we, we, we build this new solution. People don't buy into this old one. Oh, save us government. You created the problem, but you can save us. You know, that's just a bunch of baloney. Um, yeah. I hope that people will buy into this new system. I, I, I think this new system is going to be, you know, a, a, a hedged together system with many payment systems, many stores of value. I think precious metals are going to play into that. I think cryptos, Bitcoin, Ethereum, even a few more are going to play into that. Uh, I think um, commodities and real estate and hard assets are going to play into that. They, how can they not? They're all they're, they're, they're resources. Um, and I think that even fiat is going to maybe play into this. Um, I could see government still issuing bonds or a national currency, but yeah. it, that is hedged together with the other ones that aren't controlled that allow the market to dictate, well, how the government, the government's not going to be able to compete uh, with their system of money if they don't play, if they don't, aren't effective and aren't playing by the just rules and aren't efficient. And so in that regard, they're kind of, they're, they're, they're put in their place. So if they don't, if they don't produce, uh, 
then they're 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 going to be made obsolete. So now, as long as you know, I'm not saying I'm not someone who's like totally against national currency, but I'm against one that's that is hedged together and just. And so if they if they don't, if it doesn't, they're not efficient and they don't work properly. Well, then they're they're obsolete. And so I'm hoping that that these many systems will all kind of come together into one system and we can use different currencies for different things. Oh, uh, totally. Not a whole, well, I got to use fiat for everything. And so, and I think hopefully this will scale down federal governments big time. Um, I, I, Cause really like Ethereum is like a new government because if you have all these structures with all these smart contracts that create rules, well, you're kind of creating a new government ish type, system whether you want to call it that or not um it's kind of like new governments and new economies and so these are like global economies it's kind of part of the in my opinion globalization is going to happen regardless it's just what form will it take will it take a decentralized market form or it will take a centralized top-down control form and and because us becoming more global and communicating and traveling and reducing barriers is great uh it's just what form will that take and i'm hoping that these cryptocurrencies um, and these other systems of payment will all come together and kind of build one strong fabric. So that's what I hope to see at least. Yeah, I think we're, we're definitely on the way based on the, the last the last couple years of being solid in, in, in just getting, getting more information out about the, uh, the, the way banks work. Getting more, I think now we're starting to see more, more truth in, you know, it's starting to creep through in media because... Uh, with with what what happened with uh, Puerto Rico, it's like how how can this happen? It's kind of kind of idea. Um, if governments go bankrupt, then who's going to pay them? And they'll they'll look for another job like everyone else. And I think it's just a matter of uh, of of keep sharing information and educating their own friends because really it comes down to your own your own individual uh, experience, your own individual world. I know I know a lot of people around me have chosen to to opt out. And uh, and now now that I'm in Mexico, I can see that. I mean, this is what Mexico is called the broken state. It's like something doesn't doesn't work, and it's not like you know people are, are fooled. Every every single person on the street knows that the government is only there to rob you and has no actual true function of value. So it's just a matter of getting something to people that need that, or getting uncomfortable. Uh, I know most of my uh, most of my family, friends, and associates in Australia. They're all too comfortable. They're never going to want to get out of their system. Why would they? Everything's everything's nice. But when things start to hurt a little bit, that's that's when it's that's when it's like if you're smart, then you're going to start, you know, getting out of the the pot of hot water. You're going to think about something like that's what's what's going on here. And then and I mean half an hour on YouTube, you've got a playlist ten hours long. Of, of information on, on, you know, the truth of government and economics and the banking system. And then, you know, then you go to the other conspiracy theories. If you, you know, if that hasn't woken you up yet, it's um, like the information's there. It's just a matter of uh, making people think about it. Or aware, ask aware, aware of the tools that are right there in front of them. Exactly. Because if they don't, it's going to be too late. And maybe, maybe a banking collapse is what we need. I actually think you're right on that. I think we're going to be in a really uh, important position coming where the old financial system is going to 
collapse. And a lot of people are going to wake up like, whoa, what's, what the fuck's going on? The question is, okay, are we going to have our infrastructure in place to steer them in this new direction as opposed to going right back into this new system by the same players? I think we're going to have such a great opportunity to do that because a lot of people are going to be shaken awake. Uh, the system is going to have to give. Um, I can't keep going on with these debt levels like this. Um, and it's cracking big time. So I think we're going to have a big opportunity coming up to steer people into these new systems. They're going to be open to this new knowledge like they haven't been before. So I hope we take advantage of that. But uh, yeah, I wanted to wrap it up there. Um, for anyone not familiar with your work, Aaron, where where can the viewers go to find uh, your work? Well, uh, myself and, uh, and Kurt Robinson, we have a podcast at uh, www.paradiseparadox.com. Um, and uh, we're also on, uh, we're on Twitter, we're on Facebook. Pretty best to go to the website and sign up to the, to the, uh, the newsletter there to, to keep up to date with everything. Uh, we, uh, I mean, we, we cover all this stuff, you know, not from a technical point of view, um, but, you know, we like to keep more, more social in, uh, in our topics and, you know, the occasional conspiracy theory just for fun. Yeah, I would encourage anyone to check it out because what I like what you guys do well is besides providing good information is you keep it fun. Uh, you guys, Oz, I, I've lived with Aussies for years. Uh, the, the humor is so great. Uh, and so I think you guys bring a humor aspect that you don't always see in other alternative media. Sometimes it can get too serious and we got to learn sometimes to laugh and, and, and to joke about some of these topics. And so I think you guys do a really good job of that. So I hope people will go and check out some of that. But uh, anyways, I wanted to wrap that up. Uh, thanks, cool. anyone who uh, is listening. Thanks, Aaron, for your information. That was great. Um, and I hope people will go and check out um, some of your work. And uh, if you did, if you like this video, please like, subscribe to the channel. We're going to have a lot more stuff coming your way. Uh, once again, thanks and have a good day. Thanks so much. Have an awesome day.